Hello ladies and gentlemen this is Nishant and welcome to another episode of the Nishant Gurg show this show is for people who want to live a fulfilled life through mindfulness practices and personal transformation my job on the show is to invite world class performers to share the practices to live a fulfilled life and today's episode guest is Christian he has been a writer a spiritual coach and retreat facilitator for 30 years he has spoken at countless universities churches conferences and other venues including the tedx stage he is author of the award winning and critically acclaimed coming out spiritually he is currently working on a new book series calling all heroes and more about his work can be found at www.soulfulpower.com his tedx talk on the power of breath has received more than 175000 views and now let the episode begin Christian welcome to the show uh, thank you so much i'm very honored to be on the show my pleasure you have been a writer spiritual coach and retreat facilitator for 30 years you have spoken at countless universities churches conferences and many many venues including the tedx and you are an author of award winning and critically acclaimed coming out of spirituality spiritually so how did all how did it all happen <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question that's a big question um you know i've always had a sense of of mission like i i studied psychology um my father was a psychiatrist so i come out of that psychotherapy tradition i went to catholic school i went to all boy jesuit school and so i've always had at the time i thought i wanted to be a priest but I, that was my calling and so that's always that desire to serve to make a difference to help people get free has always been there. it's 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 expressed differently now of course you know as, as my own perceptions um, and evolution spiritually looks very different now than what it used to then um but that that essential desire to serve you know both something greater that myself with no matter what you call that um and to serve humanity that's still there and that's what drives me that's what inspires me in all my work and in your work it's all about soul it's all about soulful power yeah um and that's the name of the of of the business and i do a retreat about personal empowerment and i am launching a book the summer about that about personal empowerment but it's not all of what i do the the book the, the bigger message the it's actually the, the book is part of the series um so the book is going to be awakening your your personal power uh the series is calling all heroes so what does it mean to live heroically in the 21st century uh you know when we don't have the horse hitched outside and the armors and the demons <laughs> to slay except the ones the ones inside of us inside our own heads so the first book is about personal empowerment and so how do we step into power in a way that's not hierarchical that's not about fear or force or uh, domination manipulation that doesn't require us to to push anybody down step on them squelch them in order for us to prop ourselves up and, and feel powerful but the type of power that comes from within uh, that doesn't need to prove anything to anybody the second book is about relationships like how do we do relationships consciously 
consciously, intentionally. Um, so if you, if we are in relationship and you've got those basic human needs for companionship and love and intimacy and sex and family, um, then what? You know, what, how do we use the container of the relationship to forward, to speed up our own process of, of healing and awakening and remembering? If you're not and would like to be, how do we identify the subconscious patterns um, that have us sabotaging our relationship before we even get started by attracting the wrong people, by falling for people who are not available, who are not a match, who live on the other side of the country or the world, who are, who are already with somebody else, or, or maybe they're just not there. So we understand what the patterns are, and then we, we clear those patterns in so, so the titles of the book, the book also reflect the, the themes of the retreats. And then the third one will be on, on life purpose and leadership, but leadership with heart from, from again, from a soulful place, from, from a spiritual place. So these three book series, first, one is personal empowerment, second is relationships, and third is leadership, which is coming from inner, inner peace, or I should say from a spiritual angle. Mm -hmm. Can, can anybody read these books who is not spiritual? Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's spirituality very broadly defined. Um, so there's no dogma connected to it. There's no need to believe in anything. Um, in fact, if, if we're going to get honest about that, if, if we're talking about God as, as an old man in the sky, you know, with, with a beard and white hair and long robes and busybody and punitive and judgmental, and micromanaging everybody's lives, then, then I'm an atheist too. I don't, I don't believe in that. So my, my perception, my experience of, of the sacred is very different than that, uh, these days. And, but even if you don't, it's, even if you don't have a spiritual connection, like for me, spirituality is, is, like if you look at those two things, religion, the word religion comes from the Latin religare, or, which means to, to bind or to rebind. And that feels to me a little restrictive, with all due respect to, to the organized religions, which do serve a purpose uh, and have done a lot of good things for humanity, and they have also done a lot of harm to humanity. Spirituality comes from 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 the word spirare, which which is the root of. From that same root, we get both inspiration and expiration. So it's. It's much more open, it's less rigorous, it's more about a personal connection with something greater of which we're a part. It's some great intelligence that also, or energy, or something that, that expresses itself through us and as us. of religion mm -hmm. some people believe that one religion be it Christianity Hinduism is the only way I was born in Hinduism mm -hmm. but I always believed that this is not me I do not want to be constrained in one set of boundaries so I consider myself as 
more spiritual, connected to something bigger than myself. And I, I see, I, I, I know a lot of people they believe in spirituality, but they do not consider themselves as religious. So, what That's is right. this? Uh, how would you define spirituality? Because religious people have different views. Spiritual people have different views. Not to discount anybody's views. It's, yeah. What is the right path? Yes, I mean, I think you, the right path is the one for you, the one that calls you. I don't think that there is one single path. I think all the different religions have a part of the truth, and they can all take you there. So to the degree that a religion is helping you to connect with, with yourself, with your authentic, the, the real self, um, to, to the degree that a religion is is, is helping us connect to the sacred, however you define and experience that, uh, to the degree that they're making us better, more loving, more compassionate human beings, then they're serving a purpose. To the degree that they're causing discord and disharmony and conflict and what I call the theological pissing contest, you know, my God's bigger than yours, then they're, <laughs> yeah. they're not doing their job. And it happens all the time. We see it happens everywhere. all the time. And isn't that ironic that that we that this world could go up in smoke in the name of God? That's absurd. I think it's God becomes something we can hide behind and do whatever we want to do. We can be rude to people and just keep saying we go to church, we go to temple, or we do this and that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, I don't believe in abominations, but if I were to believe in abomination, it's the externalization of, of the divine. Like how much further could we have placed what's sacred? And so we have this whole split, especially in the West, but now pretty much all over the world, the split between the, the physical and the spiritual. Anything that was of the spiritual, we put way out, out of here. You know, how much further could we have placed heaven and where the hell is heaven anyway? And then anything that was of the physical, we made it something less than something to be conquered and controlled and subjugated. So no wonder we treat the planet the way that we do. No wonder we treat ourselves the way that we do, because we animalize the body, and then we demonize sexuality. So no wonder we have sexual issues as, as, a, as a species. Because that's, this, that split, no, that's okay, that, that split between the physical and the spiritual wasn't always there. And, and as you know, in, in many of the, of the Eastern traditions, that split wasn't there. And in many of the indigenous traditions, the, the, everything is sacred, including the clouds and the trees and the creepy crawlies and, and the fish in the sea and the body and the genitals. So, yeah, I'm sorry. You, you yeah, were going to say yeah, something. Yeah, so I have this funny question that is popping in my head right now. I see this in dating and relationships these days. If somebody is Christian, Hindu, or Muslim, they just want to date or marry that person who belongs in that religion. They may not be wanting to try in another religion or somebody who is atheist or somebody who is spiritual. What do you think could be the reason for that? It is just because of you want to be relaxed? Well, I think there's, there's, a lot, there's conditioning. You know, there's a lot of cultural and religious conditioning. And we've been, it's been so ingrained in us that, that our religion is, is the one true way. Um, and so if we've got any layers of that going on, then 
well, then, then we're not going to be open to dating people from a, with a different belief. Or, or even if we don't, some, some, in some cases, our families do have very strong feelings about that, so we don't want to rock the boat. And even though we may not believe that, it's, it's, we might decide not to, you know, just to swallow our, our feelings and, and our passion and what we, our convictions even for the sake of maintaining peace, or not, not creating too much conflict in the family structure. Uh, do you think is it good or bad or according to you, what do you feel about converting from one religion to another? It happens sometimes. People yeah, get converted. Well, why course. do you think it's like that? Um, you know, I'll tell, I mean, I don't know for everybody. I'll tell you my, my own, Please. my own special, my, my, not special, my own particular, uh, path with that is I was raised in, in, in the Catholic religion and, and growing up, you know, like that was taught that is the one true faith. So I know what you're talking about. I just, I came, I came out of that. And then as I started getting older and having to, to deal with aspects of myself that didn't fit into that religion. Um, I started to question, you know, that reality. And I started meeting people from different religions and different beliefs and started seeing, like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. This is a beautiful, amazing, incredible human being. You, you're going to tell me they're going to go to hell because of what they believe? So it just didn't make sense. It started not making sense after a while. And it was a really difficult process. It was a very painful process to go dismantling the worldview, you know, the, the worldview of that one particular religion. And then for a while in my twenties, I, I went through a kind of a phase because I kind of threw the baby out with the, with the bathwater, with the baptismal bathwater. Um, you know, it's like I didn't want anything to do with, with religion or spirituality because I confused them. And I thought they were the same thing until I later realized that you can have your own connection to the sacred and that nobody can give you that. Nobody can take that away from you. How you express it is, is, is up to you. And, and ultimately, um, that's what counts. It's our own personal connection to that. And having that personal connection to some divine cosmos, universe, or God, or whatever we want to call it. There could be some obstacles. There are layers of conditioning, old past belief. We mm -hmm. all have it. So how sure. can we embrace that and let go of all those past beliefs which are not serving us to connect to our sacred power? Yeah, it's it's a process. You know, and, I, and, and I'll tell you one thing that was really powerful for me that was very instrumental was when I when I discovered breath work, which is, you know, comes out of the yoga tradition, but uh, discovered this particular type of breathing modality was discovered here in the West in California. But it is a, a type of pranayam from you know from from your part of the world independently. And so one of the things about breath work in, in addition to being an incredibly profound healing practice. Like I don't know anything more effective than than that in terms of healing past trauma. Like I was on a track to get a PhD in psychology when I discovered breathwork, I jumped tracks. Because it I never went for the PhD because it works so fast and heals so profoundly at so many levels, not only emotionally and psychologically, but also mentally, 
spiritually and even physically. And I know that sounds too good to be true. For, for my scientific rational mind, even 30 years later, I know that sounds too good to be true, but it works. The other thing that, that it did for me, um, is that it, it gave me some personal, undeniable experiences, spiritual experiences of feeling connected to, to everything. You know, that, that stuff that I'd read about in, in books, uh, that I had a personal experience of, of, of oneness, of, of inter, the interconnectedness of it all, um, that were just undeniable. And, and there was no turning back. So I think that's what made it possible. I mean, it was a long process. So, so part of it was the, the, going through the process of dismantling a particular worldview and then starting to get in touch with, all right, what, if I'm not going to believe that, what do I believe? What are my values? And if not gonna, if I'm not gonna base my moral choices, that's a whole other layer of the process. If not, if I'm not gonna base my, my moral choices on a book or a text that was written thousands of years ago that, and that was translated and retranslated and mistranslated and stuff that was put in and stuff was taken out and written at a time where women weren't even human, women were property. Then what, what am I going to base my, my moral choices on? So it's, it's a very intense, you know, and very deeply personal process. And I would imagine it's different for every, for all of us. It's just a process that is very well said. And we human beings want short, you know, quick fix. It's not going to happen overnight. We get to be patient with this process. Yes. And speaking of breath work, we all breathe. Every single second. Yes. So what what is this breath work all about, if you would like to explain, please, for our listeners? Yes, yes. And, and yeah, so in, in connecting it to, to what we were talking about before, the, the breath is connected, is at the root of every spiritual tradition, of every meditation practice, at the root of yoga. Uh, it's all about the breath. The breath is our most constant and loyal and faithful companion were while we're in this body for however long we're, we're in this body. Um, and, and if you look at most of the religions and spiritual traditions of the world, the same word, one word can mean spirit or breath, depending on context, depending on how we're using it. Can we so, call it as awareness? The breath, you know, it's, it's, I, I think it's spirit. I think it's a spirit that, that breathes us. Um, and so, so, so with the breath work, to go back to your question, it's you breathe in a certain way. You breathe in a circular, connected way for about an hour. And amazing stuff happens. Like all the stuff that I was talking about, not only the healing at all those levels, those phenomenal experiences that not only I, but many other people report of of experiences of oneness some people have divine dissertations and they have the buddha or krishna or mother mary show up in their breathwork sessions they they have connection with loved ones who have passed who are no longer embodied um and yeah and, and for a while i would ask myself well, what if that's just my misfiring brain neurons <laughs> um but you know two things like 
it works. So I got to the point, it's like, so what? So what if it's just my my misfiring right? brain neurons, if it's helping me get free and, and have um, free from limitations, from the self-imposed limitations of the mind, um, and, and from the sense of loneliness and isolation and, and separation of the ego mind, and if it's helping me break through patterns uh, that have, of self-sabotage in my life, then who cares if I'm making it up? And then, secondly, then I started having experiences that were that there was evidence, you know, that were comfort that were confirmed. Like I would have something, an experience in breath work, and then it would something in, in my life would show up that connected to that. So I, I stopped questioning. Um, Everything is connected universally along. Yes, that's right. That's right. So in during tough times, mm-hmm. I mean, when we are having good moments in our life, everything seems easy. We can breathe, we can do everything. But during tough times, how can we remind ourselves to focus on our breathing? Well, it's a, it's a practice, yeah, and, and you're saying, yeah, you're. I mean, it's a good question because we take it for granted. If we don't have to remind ourselves to take a breath, like the breath is breathing us, um, and if we if we learn how to use the breath, and and there's different breathing techniques and practices that come in very helpful at different points at different times. So if we're feeling very stressed out, if we are nervous before a presentation or or before a difficult conversation or something like that, slowing down the breath. And, and taking some really deep, connected breaths are, are very, it's very helpful. Can you, and, can we do a small demo? You don't mind? Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, it's just very simple. Just slowing down your breath. Like if you, and paying attention to it. Like take a long, deep breath. And, and, and what happens is that we, when we breathe throughout the day, we forget to, to breathe deeply. So we start, we take really shallow breaths. And whenever the emotions come up, then we, we like, we take even more shallow breaths and we stop breathing. And, and, and so that anchors those emotions in the body. Um, and then we get stuck in, in those emotions uh, and they get stuck in us. So the first practice is just noticing, giving attention to the breath, right? So start noticing your breathing and slowing it down consciously. Like there's swamis in India that can tell their, their hearts to slow down. And, who is who is that Swami? There are so many Swamis. Oh yes, yeah. so I don't mean they're Swamis. There's more than one that that have that much body control that they can direct their hearts to slow down, and some of them can mimic a state that that looks like death. You know, whether whether you can't tell whether they're dead, dead or alive. Most of us are never going to have that that level of control over the body, of mind over body. But anybody, any of us, can slow down the breath. When we slow down the breath, the heart has no choice but to also slow down. So that's why whenever we feel stressed, when we feel afraid, like, you know, in these times that, that, that are scary times that we're living in, not only in terms of the global pandemic, but the financial crisis that we're just beginning to, to witness the beginnings of. 
we use the breath as a way to center, right? To, to, we follow the breath deep inside and we start taking deeper, longer breaths. We put all the thoughts aside. You know, right? If we find ourselves having that thought, we just notice it and we come back to the breath. We deepen the breath. We allow ourselves to sit comfortably, relaxed. And when we do that, after a couple of minutes, the heart has to slow down. It has no choice. The breath controls the heart, the, the heart rate. So once the heart begins to slow down, then the body begins to relax. And the nervous system begins to quiet down. And that's when um, breath meditation yes. is coming and is, is becoming very popular now. Yes. It's everywhere. You just focus on your breathing. If yes. somebody that's is true. not able to meditate for a long time, or let's say for 10-15 minutes, you can just focus on your breathing for 2-3 minutes. Yeah, yeah, even now. Yeah, the breath practice is at the core of every meditation practice. It all starts with the breath. So going back in your 20s when you were making money, you were successful, everything, well, you, you had everything from society perspective. Well, do you remember reading some books on spirituality or did you follow any spiritual leader or spiritual guru at that point? Well, you know, as I was approaching um, the end of my 20s, I started questioning. Because right? I had a very cushy, enviable life. You know, I had a great job that I pretty much managed my own time. I made good money. I had my own schedule. Um, I had a condo on the water and, and here at Miami Beach, not far from where I live now. Um, I had you know, a sports car and the Armani suits and all that stuff. And the more that I had, the more that I was sought after socially and professionally, I started to feel like there had to be more, like there was something missing. And so towards towards that time, I started realizing that I I had rejected and neglected my spiritual part of it. Um, and, you know, in the same way that many human beings try to reject our sexuality because it's a source of conflict, many of us also try to reject and ignore our spirituality as far as I'm concerned. They're both part of who we are as human beings. It's just part of who we are. And so it's, it's a, what, what matters is that we connect with it and that we find a way of expressing it that is a match for who we are. So and once I started, I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah, speaking of spirituality, this mm -hmm. is kind of a taboo for in a corporate world. People don't like to talk about being spiritual. Yeah, it, but you know, but that's changing. And, and even in, you were talking about meditation, in many, many corporations, they're bringing in meditation practices. Maybe they don't call it meditation, maybe they call it mindfulness, but it's the same thing. And so you gotta, we gotta start somewhere. Um, and so they're starting, yeah, and you, and you read more and more about how all these studies that they've done on meditation and all its benefits, not only personally in terms of health, in terms of reducing stress, in terms of feeling connected, uh, in terms of all the, the happy uh, the happiness hormones that are released when we access those slower, deeper brain waves. But even in terms of job performance, uh, reduced uh, absenteeism, uh, employees, you know, level of employee satisfaction, less 
interpersonal conflict at the workplace. There's tons of research done on that. I have had many, many personal experiences when, when having a conflict with a coworker or the situation and stuff. Mm-hmm. I just leave that situation and mm-hmm. try to focus on my breathing. In fact, in one of the conversations with my coworker, I was, that the conversation was becoming heated. And I reminded myself to breathe. And when I was breathing internally, not obnoxiously, it just, when it happened, I was able to handle the situation in a better way. That's it. That's it. And, and that's the benefit of meditation practice. If it, even if you do it for five minutes, ten minutes, you know, not even every day, like five days a week, four times a week, whatever, whatever you can do. But most of the time, for most of us, sitting in meditation, watching our breath, or, or repeating a mantra, whatever practice we're drawn to, it's going to be boring. Right? We're just going to be finding ourselves doing a to-do list or a shopping list or, or thinking about what we, what we need to do at, at the office or what we forgot to do yesterday. And then we catch ourselves and bring ourselves back to the breath or to the mantra. So what does your meditation practice look like now? It's, it's, it's breath, you know, noticing the breath. And, and so the benefit of that is that even, even if that practice is boring, that, that being willing to sit for those even 10 minutes, observing ourselves and, oh, there I go, I'm having a cramp in my left leg. Oh, there I go. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about my shopping list. It's that That's what gives us that ability right, to, to observe ourselves, that witness consciousness, which is what allowed you to notice yourself. Oh, here we go. We're about to get, in, get into it in this difficult conversation, and I'm starting to feel myself getting upset. Let me take a breath. Let me calm myself down. I have a choice in this situation. How do I want to handle it? Rather than what we, most of us do, is which is react, right? and we take everything personally, and then we react, and we find ourselves defending, building a case, and defending ourselves because we feel attack, attack, because we take everything as a as a direct personal attack to our to our core of our identity. Rather than having that ability, which is what you did, it's like, oh, oh here we go, here we go. There he, there they are saying whatever they're saying. Here I am feeling whatever I'm feeling. Let me take a breath. Let me pause. Slow down. How do I want to be in the face of the situation? Right, bringing choice back into the equation. Bringing choice, and it's coming back to spirituality. I read this one book, and in that book, the author is saying spirituality is just waking up. Everybody's just sleeping, so let's wake up. It's a wake-up call. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. And in your book, Coming Out Spiritually, there are mm-hmm. four sections, walking between worlds, coming in, the faces of passion, coming out. What is this coming in and coming out? Coming in is, is what we're talking about, right? It's coming inside, right? Like, Especially now in these times of, of uncertainty and fear and uh, crisis, right? Where if we if we go by what's going on in the world, like we would be like, and if we listen to the news twenty four seven, then we're going to be stuck in total panic mode and terrified to go outside uh, or to do anything. And so, going within means means that we. Like, so the practices is using practices like meditation, breathing practices, breath work, spending time in nature, 
um, you know, prayer, journaling, whatever, whatever it is that we resonate with and works for us. To, to slow down the crazy, what the Buddhists call the monkey mind. Which, which is mind. always jump, <laughs> jumping from, from thought to thought in always. the same way. Yeah, in the Can same way that a Spiritual practices? Yeah, spiritual practices. Yeah, so anything that we, that we put into practice to quiet the mind and to go within and to access the deeper part of who we are, where all the answers are inside of ourselves, um, that's what I mean by going within. Right? And there's many different pathways there. We, we find the ones that work for us. For some of us, it's going to be taking a beautiful hike up in the woods or a hike, you know, sitting by the ocean. For some of us, it might be sitting in formal meditation uh, or doing the Tai Chi, you know, movement meditation or Qigong or something like that. So we find what works for us to quiet ourselves down, to, to, to bring ourselves inside, um, reconnect which is ultimately what we're longing for, right? It's, it's that connection to ourselves, to each other, to something greater than ourselves. Quieting our mind is very difficult for a lot of people. It's, and it's yes. very difficult. And these practices are very simple and still yeah. you don't do it. It's true. It's so what true. do you think could be the obstacle in people's lives when they know they need to do something to reduce the stress and it's, they don't do it? You know, it's it's resistance, it's comfort. Um but maybe when we look back on this situation that we find ourselves in, this global crisis, maybe that will be one of the gifts of it. You know, one of the benefits of it is that it forced all of us. It forced, it, co it cost the whole world to stop. And sort of like Mother Nature said to us, like, enough, time out, go to your room. And everybody, the whole world had to go to their room. And think about what you're doing, right? So that's, that's, if we take this opportunity, However long it goes, nobody knows however, however long this, this time of social distancing or physical distancing is gonna, it's gonna go on. But if we can take advantage of it, right? It's like there's nothing we can do about that. But what we can do something about is like how we respond to the situation. Like life always is gonna throw curveballs at us. That we can't do anything about. So this is a huge curveball that life threw the whole world. What we do have a choice about, we can't do anything about that. Right? What we can do something about is like, how do we respond? How do we show up in response to the curveball? So are we going to like com completely self-medicate with TV or alcohol or whatever we self-medicate with? Um, or are we going to take some time to go within and get in touch with ourselves? And, and who are we? And what are we about? And what? are we passionate about and what do we value and when we come out of this global mandatory cocoon that we're all in how do we want to emerge on the other side how do i want to be my own life to be and what kind of a world do i want to live in yep that that is so profound and between reaction time and response time there is a space wider space and through breathing yes. through meditation we can tap into that 
Yes. Victor Frankl. Victor Frankl. Yes. And there is this powerful Japa meditation from Dr. Wayne Dyer. Have you heard of this meditation? I've heard of uh, Wayne Dyer, and I've heard of Japa meditation, but I don't know about his. So I think Japa meditation is nothing but connecting to the source. And we all come from source. That's what Wayne Dyer talks about. I started following Wayne Dyer three years ago. I started reading his books, audible books. It's so profound, life-changing stuff. Do you have any go-to spiritual guru now? Don't. Any any yeah. favorite any favorite book that you're reading these days? Well, I've been doing a lot of research on personal empowerment. Um, but I would uh, one of my favorite books, which is really simple and really short, um, and I think it's a nice book for this time, is "The Universe Is a Green Dragon." Uh, it's a short book by uh, Brian Swim, who's a cosmologist or a physicist out in Northern California. And what he does, he writes this book kind of in Socratic dialogue. So, you know, dialogue between student and teacher, question and answer type of thing. And so being a cosmologist, a physicist, he applies principles that, that govern, that rule the cosmos to the human experience. Because much to the surprise of some human beings, we are part of the cosmos. So we are ruled by the same principles that govern the stars. And in fact, we're made of 99.999% of the atoms in our bodies are exactly the same atoms that are found in the stars. And so we can, and that 60% of the, of the hydrogen atoms in our body were present at the moment of the Big Bang. That's mind blowing to me. And so that we can literally say that we are star beings. We are made of star stuff. And so the, so the book is a beautiful, how he applies his universal cosmic principles to the human experience. I will put the book details in the show notes. Okay, good. And for people who are starting into the breath work, and they are very new, so how they can start getting into this breath work? Any resources, yeah. tools you have? For yeah, just, just start using, um, I mean, the breath work that I'm talking about is, is a more intense, process and it's about an hour an hour and a half and initially you should do it with somebody who's trained because one of the things that happens is that it can release suppressed trauma so people have really profound cathartic releases sometimes you have people crying and screaming and you have people remembering stuff that they forgot about so one of my favorite stories um, about how it works my mentor the woman that i learned it from when she was doing her first session, she was doing a one-on-one with, with a trained uh, breathwork practitioner. And at some point, she heard the facilitator snap her fingers. And for some reason, it triggered this memory she forgot about. And she went back to this time when she was five years old, and she got into some upset with her daddy, some argument with her daddy. I forget what it was about. But she got all huffy and puffy as she was going run away from home and she got went outside and got on her little bike and she started pedaling away and she hit a bump on the, on the sidewalk and she fell over and broke her nose. It was black and blue for three weeks. At the end of the session, she turned to the woman and said, wow, how did you know to snap your fingers at that moment? It was incredible timing. It triggered this memory I forgot about 
that, and then I made all these connections about how that experience had impacted my relationship with men throughout my life. And the woman's like, what are you talking about? I never, I never snapped my fingers. So why they, why, as they kept on, ta kept on talking about it, what they figured out she'd heard was the cracking of the bone. And so the next day, 40 years later at 45, she went up in the morning and looked in the mirror and her nose was black and blue all over again, not for the three weeks, but for two, three days while the body healed itself and corrected itself. So it's, it's a really powerful practice. So I would recommend that people try that on their own. Um, and I, like I said, again, to try it initially with a trained person, and then you can be taught how to do it on your own. But what people can start doing right away is just use the breath. Use the breath. Like slow down the breath. And, and do that on a regular basis. If you do it for three minutes a day, you can do it in any setting. You're sitting outside, looking outside your window. If you're sitting at your desk, anywhere, just as you're falling asleep, just slow down your breath and follow the breath deeper and deeper within. And you kind of take yourself as long as you can. And, and I imagine, I, I used the, the visual for myself of, like, I can hold hands with the breath. So as I breathe more and more deeply, I feel like I'm pulling myself into my body deeper and deeper. And I also used the, the visual for myself that, you know, when you think of the visual of a gas filling a container, when it does, it does it completely, right? Like it dissipates itself completely, divides itself equally and fills that container, every nook and cranny of it. So in that same way, I imagine myself just dropping into my body and filling my whole body from, from the top of the head to the tip of the toes, like, and really, really, really embodying, um, owning, feeling safe in my body, you know, like allowing the breath to, to guide me within and to animate me. That is, that is, the breath is life, right? It is what keeps us alive. This is very powerful. The, the practice of breath work is very powerful and we can heal so many things in my life. We can heal those trauma, post-traumatic situations and anything that is holding us back to move forward. Correct. So true. And before I ask you my last question, I want to ask you, what is the impact you want to have on this world? You know, I feel it's a beautiful question. Um, I feel like I'm on a, on a mission. Uh, and I think about, like, paraphrasing Einstein, who said that you can't solve a problem from the same level of consciousness in which it was created. So when I think about the world that we live in, you know, a world full of divisions and the rich and the poor, and you know, the east and the west and the north and the south and people of different races and people of different beliefs, uh, and everybody competing for, for the same resources coming from the belief that there's not enough, so you have to hoard them, and now we're hoarding toilet paper of all things. Uh, <laughs> seriously. <Exactly. laughs> seriously, it's crazy. Um, and, and so, to, to, and when, and to look at the environmental situations, we're worried about COVID, <laughs> the real crisis is coming after that, which is what we, uh, what we unleashed on the environment. Um, that we're just now beginning to, to witness the effects of. So, um, 
so when I, when I think about the, the only way we're going to dig ourselves out of this collective hole that, this hole that we have dug ourselves into collectively, um, has to be outside of the box, right? We can't solve it from that level. For me, the solution is going to be a spiritual solution. And again, not dogmatic, not, not about believing in anything, but it's about feeling that, that connection of that essence inside each of ourselves and the interconnectedness, not only between you and me and all the other seven and a half billion humans, but the interconnectedness with all of life. And so my work is to help us remember that, right? To help us get free from the limitations of the mind. So in all the retreats that I do, whether it's on relationships or personal empowerment or women's empowerment uh, that I do a lot of, um, or life purpose, there are two constants, things that I always do. One is the breath work, because I, I don't know anything that heals as quickly and as profoundly as that does. The other thing that I always teach is the ego mind. Because no matter how we have allow, allowed ourselves to be held back from having a sense of personal empowerment or, or the relationships that we long for or a life filled with meaning and purpose, it all comes down to understanding what the ego mind is. That's the source of all our conflict and all our suffering. And Dr. Wayne Dyer says, ego is edge got out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, Christian. And where, where can people find you online? Uh, my website is soulfulpower.com. And you know, I, don't, I can't do any live events now because of the situation, but I'm doing weekly um, connections. I call them soulful connections. So we do, it's an hour long. Um, people can, you know, through my website, soulfulpower.com, they can find out about it. And it's uh, just an hour. We do a little teaching. Some Q and A. I do a breathing practice and you know, teach a different technique every week, and then we do a guided meditation and call it a night. Thank you so much, Krishna. It's been a great, inspirational, impactful, and a spiritual conversation. It's cool. my pleasure. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. All right. All right. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. I hope you learned from this episode that you can apply in your life. If you did enjoy this, please subscribe to the podcast, The Nishan Garg Show on Apple Podcasts. You can also subscribe to the show through my website, https colon slash slash nishangarg.me n-i-s-h-a-n-t-g-a-r-g dot me. You can also share this podcast with your family and friends or whoever want to feel fulfilled and thank you so much again.